this is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on the Black experience. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. I wonder what my roller derby name would be. I'm Tom, where the sun don't shine. And welcome to The Range. Support for The Range comes from McCowan Gordon Construction, Fidelity Bank, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, how one Kansas town hopes its storied past will attract tourists. The history of Lecompton played such a major role in the United States history. But first, roller derby is back in Wichita. After a pause due to the pandemic... Wicked City Roller Derby is looking for adult and youth recruits. Daniel Cottle spoke with members of the women's roller derby team to learn more about the sport and what motivates people to mix it up on the track. It's after hours at Skate South, but some of the city's most competitive skaters are just getting started. Members of Wicked City Roller Derby are warming up for practice at the skating rink, as they do two nights a week. I get to play with my team, we get to improve together, but they also push me to be the best version of me that I can be, um, and that's what I really look for when I come out here. That's Hannah Martin, known on the track as Fleetwood Smack. She's a jammer for Wicked City, which means it's her job to break past the opposing team and score points, almost like a running back in football. A big Fleetwood Mac fan, as you might guess, she got her start playing roller derby in California. She started competing with Wichita's team when she moved here about two years ago. One of the first things that I did was look up uh, roller derby teams in, in Wichita because I was trying to figure out if I could live out here. He said, okay, well, if they have a roller derby team, it increases my likelihood of moving out here. While you might know about roller derby from movies like Rollerball and Whip It, Martin says it's really not that violent. You don't get to clothesline people. You don't get to punch people. That's not allowed anymore. There are rules. It's controlled. And you can really see it when you're at an event. Despite all the hip-checking and shoving, players on opposing teams are smiling, helping one another off the ground, and even acknowledging when they take a good hit, says team director Delaney Smith, a.k.a. Eva Knievel. Everybody just wants everyone to succeed. If you get hit, like, if I get hit really well during a game, I always make sure to tell that person, like, ah, that was really good, you about knocked me out. (laughs) (laughs) A big part of roller derby is your derby name, your alter ego, your in-game persona. The mechanic, known off the track as Mandy Berkeley, got her derby name because she's a masseuse who uses her professional skills to help the team. That's good. Is everybody getting warm? Because of what I do, I try to teach everybody how to use their muscles properly and better and how to strengthen those muscles so that we can all stay healthy on the track. Wicked City Roller Derby was founded in 2006 as ICT Roller Girls and later ICT Roller Derby. The team was inactive for about three years due to the pandemic, but is making a comeback under the new name. Right now, the team is looking for players in both the youth and adult leagues. Berkeley says people who don't think they have the skills for the sport should feel encouraged to try it anyway. We have a lot of people that have never put skates on before, and that's why we have newbie classes. She says the people she's met playing roller derby are a big piece of why she's still competing. We've got chefs and we've got, I mean, moms and swim coaches and all sorts of different people, and I would not have met any of these amazing women if we weren't all here for this one thing. Wichita, give it up for your hometown heroes, Wicked City! 
For The Range, I'm Daniel Calder. Many of us know about Bleeding Kansas, the state's territorial period between 1854 and 1861. But not as many know about the Lecompton Constitution and how it affected the course of the entire nation. On this month's Hidden Kansas, Becky Tanner explores Lecompton's historic past and how the town hopes it can bring in tourism dollars. What you are about to hear is a reenactment of a Lecompton, Kansas town hall meeting from the mid-1850s. It's raucous and loud and sometimes politically incorrect by today's standards. We proudly wave this flag. Southern rights, southern rights, southern rights. I am so sorry that we had to hear such nonsense from Sheriff Jones. You know, we have a nickname for old Sheriff Jones out here. We refer to Sheriff Jones as the mouth from the south. But this reenactment gets to the heart of how Kansas became a state. Reenactors proudly tell the story of one of the city's tourism slogans, Lecompton, where slavery came to die. Lecompton is a small community between Topeka and Lawrence, and some residents hope Kansas tourism officials will promote the state's bleeding Kansas and Civil War history roots as economic development. The history of Lecompton played such a major role in the United States history. That's Paul Bondmeyer, president of the Lecompton Historical Society. He says his family came to Lecompton in 1855. That was two years before the Lecompton Constitution was signed in the town's Constitution Hall, then the territorial capital of Kansas. It was written by pro-slavery supporters and protected slavery in Kansas. Its intention was to make Kansas a slave state, but that didn't happen. It passed the United States Senate, 33 to 25, was strongly endorsed by President Buchanan, but failed in the House of Representatives. Otherwise, Kansas would have come into the Union as a slave state. Washington's reaction to the Lecompton Constitution split the National Democratic Party and allowed a Republican, Abraham Lincoln, to win the presidency of the United States in 1860 with only 39% of the popular vote. Kansas entered the Union on January 29, 1861, as a free state. The birthplace of the Civil War is in Kansas because 100 people were killed in Kansas prior to the Civil War starting. Put up some signs on I-70 or I-35 that say, Kansas, birthplace of the Civil War, and I'll guarantee you we'll get a lot of attention and a lot of economic development. So that's how a Kansas town hall meeting helped change American history and why its residents hope that by presenting this play more than 160 years later, it will bring in some tourism dollars. You're going to be representing the great free state party out here. For The Range, I'm Becky Tanner. Hidden Kansas visits intriguing spots across our state. You can read more of Becky's story at kmuw.org. And one last thing. Yet another drawback of shrinking newsrooms across America is the loss of newsroom characters. Hearst Laviana worked at the Eagle for decades and would certainly qualify. He was tall, rail-thin, and quiet, with a sense of humor as dry as the Sahara. 
Hearst once gave a ride to a guy later convicted of capital murder. And he wrote a story about BTK that prompted the serial killer to resurface and finally get caught. Hearst was perhaps best known in the newsroom for his sheet cake collection. When someone left the Eagle, we said goodbye with some kind words and a sheet cake. Hearst didn't eat the cake, but took some and put it in his drawer. His collection reached a dozen pieces over the years before he retired. Hearst died last week after another battle with cancer. I hope he's in heaven, and I hope there's sheet cake. Thanks for joining us on The Range. Our producers for this week's show are Carly Cooper, Beth Goulet, and Lou Ann Stevens. Our digital producer is Hugo Fan, and Torn Anderson composed our theme music. The executive producer of The Range is Fletcher Powell. I'm Tom Shine, and this is KMUW, NPR for Wichita.